back to the Writer's Nook podcast. I'm Hannah Bauman, editor and writing coach. And I'm Leah Davis, a fantasy and romance writer. In this episode, we're discussing drafting and revisions. So far, we've talked about what's in an idea, how to make it into a concept, and types of plotting. It's time to move towards writing. This is what will compromise the bulk of your work as a writer. You might be tempted to make aesthetic boards, playlists, or even write your story out in GIFs at this point. We've all been there, and while those things might get your creative energy flowing, they won't actually write the story for you. And I would know because I'm very guilty of wasting my writing time working on my aesthetic boards on Pinterest. And you did once text me your entire story in GIFs. I did. I mean, it is good for the brain. It's time to put your butt in the chair and grab your favorite writing tools. Hannah, did you know that there are free writing tools that are like mini computers that only let you see a few lines at a time? They're incredibly compact for full keyboards and will send your document to your Dropbox. Yeah, I've seen those. And the most popular one that I keep getting ads for on Instagram is called Astro House. Or no, it's by Astro House and it's called FreeWrite. Um, but they do get pretty expensive and can cost over like 500 US dollars. I've never used one personally, but I follow a lot of writers on social media who do. And they seem like a really great tool for first drafts and something that I might look into eventually. But remember, you don't need a fancy expensive tool to get started with your first draft. No, you don't. I've written several books on a basic keyboard on a basic laptop. The free writing tools are nice if you have the money to invest, but if not, all you really need is an idea and paper, pen, keyboard, and a work ethic. We talked about developing your story ideas in episode two and three, and we talked about plotting in episode five. Those are the important first steps to take before you start your mystical first draft. And after that first draft, you may need to do many, many, many revisions before you finally publish. Perhaps it's time we define what a first draft is. The definition is mutable, changing from person to person depending on their writing style. All it really needs to be is a diving board for consecutive drafts. As with so many things in creative fields, that probably sounds really vague. Um, So let's narrow it down a little bit more. As an editor, I think that a first draft is a document that is, first of all, messy, second, has not been revised at all, and third, may have notes or other things that might need to be filled in at a later date. So, for example, if you looked at the first draft of my current novel, you might be surprised by the number of notes that I write to myself. Um, I get all of my basic ideas and scenes out, but then... When I'm doing that first draft, I leave in a lot of room for details in my second draft. On that first draft, I wrote probably 30,000 words and left so much of it for round two. What about you, Leah? My drafts are a bit messy, as we all already know and talked about in an earlier episode. I spend a good portion of my drafting process capturing scenes that came to me in the beginning of the formation of this idea. And another chunk of it writing, trying to just discover my world, my characters, and their relationships. This only accounts for about a third of my first draft. After that, I have to find the spaces in between and figure out how to fill them to make my points connect. I know when I sit down to write that not all of these scenes will be used in the final draft, but they help me explore those spaces that need work and need exploration. And that's really what a first draft is all about. In that first draft stage, you're going to be turning a blank space into some kind of story. It is, if you want to put it in one sentence, a messy process of discovery. 
You might find yourself later deleting scenes or combining them, but you had to write them in the first place in order to figure out what wasn't working and what you did want to keep. Because you can't revise what's not there. You definitely cannot. You have to get a first draft done, no matter how messy or bad or, you know, whatever, so that you can jazz it up later. And if you come across scenes that you might want to delete as you're revising and drafting, please do not actually just delete them with the backspace key. Instead, take them out of that draft and put them in a separate scrap document so you can go back later. I can't tell you how many times I have decided to save content for later and it's actually come in handy. In fact, as I am working on the second draft of my novel, I was able to pull out about 6,000 words from my first draft that I thought I might have wanted to delete, but they came in handy. And that's that's a lot of words. There are times when you think scrapping something helps improve your book, but you'll later reread it and find that you're missing a plot point or you're missing a part of a character arc. And if you save those things, you can go back, grab the pieces and the points out of there and reinsert them or take the whole scenes figure out why they weren't working and then rewrite them or twist them and put them back in that way you're not wasting anything you already have something to build on if you saved it yeah that's a really good point um so your first draft might look something like one of our two methods where you aren't really reaching your full word count goal but are just being messy and creative and not giving a damn about the rest of it. Yeah, and then as you feel you've explored your story and understand where it's going, you can take a break before beginning your second draft. I don't think we can stress that point enough. Once you finish a draft, whether it's draft number one or number 16, you need to let yourself and your manuscript rest. People talk about that in writing all the time and about how you should write every day and write all the time. But I think that time off is just as important. Giving yourself time and space away from your finished draft will clear your mind and help you approach your next round of revisions with fresh eyes. With this new concept and this new way of looking at it, you can find plot holes, character arc issues, or you might even have a great idea to write in the next revision. How much time do you give yourself between drafts, Anna? I really wish I had a consistent answer, but for me, it depends on what I'm working on, both for myself and like, you know, my editing work and everything. So just as an example, with my current manuscript that I'm writing between my first draft and my second draft, I actually probably took about two months off where I didn't really revise anything. I kind of just let it sit and let the story and everything kind of sit in my brain to help me figure out what I went might want to do next. Uh, what about you, Leah? Uh, it depends for me. I am, I could take anywhere from a week to a year between drafts. I, it, for me, it's all about how I feel about the project. If I am dreading sitting down and entering that world again, I know I'm not ready because I know it's not fresh enough. In those in-between times, I will start something new. I will learn a new craft, I will start a new book, I'll read a book, I'll start a new TV series. Taking in extra content between these drafting process helps to refill my creative well and give me new techniques and new ideas to work with. One of the questions we get most about drafting is how to actually revise. I think revisions do need structure, but I'd love to know what you think, Hannah. 
Yes, I'm inclined to agree that revisions do need some kind of structure. Um, if you want to think about revisions a different way, think about them as editing instead of revisions. I think that's maybe an easier way for people to kind of comprehend where we're going with this. Start your revisions with a big picture structural stuff that includes plot, character, world building, and other big elements that affect the entirety of your story. If you're overwhelmed by that, read it little by little, creating a chapter by chapter outline of what needs to be changed and the scale of the change. This can help really keep you on track and minimize that huge overwhelming feeling when you're looking at this huge bucket of words. Once you're happy with the structure of your manuscript, you can turn your attention to the actual language in your story. After all, what's the point of fine-tuning all that kind of stuff if you're just going to be making really heavy edits to the plot, the characters, and the world? You might as well save the nitpicky revisions for last. It's going to save you a lot of time, work, and heartache in the end. But the big question remains is, how do you know when you're done or somewhere even close to done? And what the heck do you do with your manuscript once you're at that point? For a first draft, the first thing I suggest is figuring out if you've hit your word count goal. Don't aim too low or you won't have enough material to work with later. Your goal will depend on your genre and your audience. Books for younger readers tend to bank in at lower word counts, where adult fantasy can reach much higher. Personally, I like to reach for around 60,000 words for my drafts, sometimes hitting under or sometimes going over. This number allows me space to figure out character arcs and dynamics. It gives me space to fool around a little bit and make changes to my world. But once I have that 60,000 words, or somewheres about, I know that I have enough to start building with. How's your book looking, Hannah? So for my book, for my final draft, I'm aiming to be somewhere around 100,000 words. That's huge. Yes, but I write fantasy and it's not young adult. It's more of an adult, new adult range. So 100,000 feels like a good goal for me. Uh, the first draft, though, was only about 40,000 words. And at the time of recording, I'm about 35,000 into the second draft. So as you can see, I've already expanded a lot, considering I'm maybe a third of the way through the second draft and I'm only at 35,000. Now, how many of your plot points do you feel you hit in that first draft? In the first draft, I got them all kind of where I wanted them to be, but it was definitely more of a skeleton plot, which we talked about in episode five, if you're curious to what that is. Um, so the second draft for me is really building it out and trying to get closer to that 100,000 words. And again, word counts are, it's a guideline to aim for, but it's exactly that, a guideline. Nothing is set in stone. You may go over or under or, you know, whatever. That's a great point. As you've probably gathered by now, publishing is finicky and even the rules are just guidelines. Fantasy novels might tend to be close to 100,000 words, but you could have it as short as 85,000 or as big as 130,000. There's always room for flexibility. So once you're satisfied that you're roughly hitting those genre requirements and air quotes, you can start thinking about editing, beta readers, and publishing. And I think it's really important to note here that this advice is going to be different whether you want to be an indie author or whether you're going to pursue traditional publishing. It's neither good nor bad, it's just how it is for your chosen path. If you want to go the traditional route, start with a self-edit and beta readers. Beta readers give you fresh eyes on your work. Reach out to friends or scout for practice beta readers on social websites like Twitter or Reddit. I have a questionnaire on my website, lc 
www.ghostdavis.com that can help you get what you need out of the process. Using guided questions helps readers pinpoint areas in your writing that need help. Yes, and we will include a link to that questionnaire in the show notes for this episode. And then on that note, I'm telling you as a professional editor who actually literally pays her bills with editing work, that hiring an editor is not going to guarantee you get an agent or a publisher if you're going the traditional route. And I think we could probably do a whole episode on these kind of pre-publishing steps um, for, for each path. But for today, I'm going to leave it at that. Editors can definitely help you put your best work forward. But agents and acquiring editors at publishing houses know that manuscripts that they take on are going to need at least some editing. So I don't think that you need to spend a ton of money on a freelance editor going the traditional route, thinking that it's the end-all be-all key to your success. That being said, this one's for you, indie authors. Yes. If you are going to self-publish, your steps are going to look a little different than what Leah was just talking about. You should definitely start with a thorough self-edit, and then you have to make a decision. Do you want to or have the means to invest in a developmental edit? If you want to, but don't have the funds, you could go the route of a manuscript critique or assessment, which is... Uh, I like to call it the quote, you know, light version of a developmental edit because it covers the big structural questions without going into too much detail. So it gives you guidelines without the huge price tag. Having an editor look at the structure of your polished draft is worthwhile if you're in the saggy middle or beta readers have brought up issues with continuity and pacing. Having a professional take a look at these can really help define these areas that you're having issues with. Exactly. You can and should also utilize beta readers if you're going the indie route. These are people who read all the time and they may or may not be fellow writers. They can point out structurally unsound places from a reader's point of view, like character arcs that seem strange, plot points that just aren't interesting, or scenes that fall flat. It's not necessarily the same as an editor who has the training and technical knowledge of how these things work. But from a reader's point of view, which is ultimately who you want to please, that's going to be really beneficial. Beta readers are definitely more for finding the issues. They can't help you work through the issues the way that an editor or another writer really could help you. Once you get your feedback from your editor and beta readers about the structure, it's time to move on to copy and line edits. Yes, so the Reader's Digest version is that an editor is a trained professional with the education and skills necessary to help your draft be as clean and error-free as humanly possible. And if you want to go the indie route, you must invest in this in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, you are going to come off as one more amateur who slapped a story together. I know that probably sounds harsh, but at the end of the day, everyone is human, so there's always going to be mistakes. In what you publish but if you work with an editor you're going to really minimize those and seem a lot more professional it's sad but true you can read traditionally published books that have hundreds of people going through it every day until it is published and you can still find errors in that if only one person looks at a book you're gonna have a number of errors do your due diligence and take care of your story no matter what point you're in at the process Putting your best foot forward at every stage of the game is going to help your final story be the best version it can be. One that will entertain your readers while teaching them something about the world or themselves. 
Yes. Next time, we'll be talking about burnout, including what it is, how to avoid it, and what to do if you hit it while you're working through this crazy writing and publishing process. Don't worry, we're experienced with this one. And don't forget to subscribe to the Writer's Nook Podcast on your favorite app. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have questions or want to chat, you can find us on social media at Writer's Nook Pod or email us at podcast at btleditorial.com. We love hearing from you guys. See you next time. Thanks to Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com for our intro and outro music.